From the campus of Harvard Medical School, this is Think Research, a podcast devoted to the stories behind clinical research. I'm Abby. And I'm Brendan, and we're your hosts. Think Research is brought to you by Harvard Catalyst, Harvard University's Clinical and Translational Science Center. And by NCATS, the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences. Pilot grants provide critical early funding to investigators and rely on a complex review process for approval. Because these grants are often very specialized, it can be difficult to find enough reviewers with the right expertise to evaluate proposals. At the University of California, Irvine, Dr. Margaret Schneider's team realized a need to expand their network for the review process. Then she discovered universities across the nation shared a similar vision. On this episode of Think Research, Dr. Hardy Branu of the Harvard Catalyst Translational Innovator and Dr. Schneider discuss their ongoing efforts with the CTSA External Reviewer Exchange Consortium. Dr. Ranu is a project manager for the Translational Innovator at Harvard Catalyst, and Dr. Schneider is the director of the pilot grant program at the University of California, Irvine. My name is Hari Branu, and I am a project manager in the Translational Innovator Program uh, for Harvard Catalyst. And today I am talking to um, Margaret Schneider, who is the director of the Pilot Studies Program at the University of California, Irvine. So, Margaret, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to see you, Hardeep. Uh, you too. So, first of all, I think I'll start with, you know, why we're talking, why we think it's really relevant to have this information that what we're doing out there, because I don't think many people know about it. And uh, I wonder if you want to start off and tell us what CEREC is and how it started. Sure, absolutely. So CEREC is the um, CTSA External Reviewer Exchange Consortium, and it exists to facilitate the exchange of scientific reviews for funding applications that come into a group of hubs, which is what we call the different locations where uh, clinical translational science awards are managed. And the, the point of CEREC is to find the best reviewers possible for each application that comes into each of our participating members so that we can select the best science to support. Um, each of our hubs, each of the CTSA hubs has a pilot studies program that gives small amounts of funding towards early stage scientific investigations. And um, a number of years ago, when we first started our CTSA hub, we wanted to find out how other CTSA hubs were running their pilot study programs because um, it was a new endeavor for us and we wanted to find out best practices. So we did a survey of the whole CTSA network. And as part of that survey, we asked, are you interested in exchanging reviewers? So the members of, of CEREC are the people who responded to that survey by saying, yes, we'd be interested in exchanging reviewers. And that was, um, I think, almost over four years ago, and, and the rest is kind of history. Right. And then uh, do you want to just tell us who the members are, you know, 
and uh, the fact that we're all around the country. Right. Sure. So I'll start listing them and then you jump in because I don't want to leave anybody out. But um, obviously, Harvard is, is one member of the consortium. Um, I'm at University of California, Irvine. So we're another hub. Other hubs include Ohio State University, the University of Washington in Seattle, um, Medical College of Wisconsin, University of Southern California. So we have two actually in California. We have the Virginia Commonwealth University. And help me out, Hardeep. Who might <laughs> uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, and UAM. Arkansas, right. University yeah. of Arkansas Medical Sciences. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. So there's nine of us all together. Yeah, there's nine of us. Um, and while well, you've already spoken to why we need a, a review exchange, I mean, do you think that it should be kind of explored with not just with a pilot program, but with the other programs that the CTSAs um, also run? Yeah, so, uh, you know, one of the reasons we really wanted to find an exchange consortium to be part of is that we're a smaller university. And so when we get an application for a particular project to be funded, um, it's highly likely that we won't be able to find three excellent expert reviewers within our own institution who are not also in conflict with the proposal that we're reviewing. And I think that's true for any funding program within a university setting, that, that it's going to be hard to find really well-qualified reviewers who don't have some affiliation with the person who's applying for funding. <clears throat> so yeah, I think, it, I think it's a good... Um, practice to explore across all funding mechanisms. Okay, and um, there was something that came up while you were speaking that I know that there are, um, and we've come across it a few times, there's always a proposal that is difficult to find a reviewer for, for everyone. Um, and that's something that's kind of challenging. And I'm going to put you on the spot here because I'm going to say, do you have any examples of that uh, um, that you can think of even from the UCI side? Yeah, well, I, I don't remember which institution had this proposal posted. I don't think it was UCI, but there was a proposal that we had on our uh, exchange consortium that had to do with using animals, comfort animals in hospitals uh, to promote well-being of patients and, you know, highly specialized topic. And it was very hard <laughs> to locate three expert reviewers who could provide really um, informative input into that application. Right, right. And it be, it, that kind of a application also you know, the search terms become really difficult to um, sort of narrow down as well, I think. Yeah. Another example that we've had here, which actually has not been posted to CEREC because it wasn't part of our pilot programs, but um, we have an investigator here who does research on the use of robotic avatars in a school setting for students, like kids who are have chronic illness and cannot attend school in person. And this was long before the COVID era, but she was doing research on using these mobile robot avatars in the school setting and how that impacted the kids' psychological well-being to be able to virtually participate at school. 
we have had an incredibly hard time and we have looked internationally to find the right reviewers for these studies because it's so innovative and so unusual. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Although it does sound like really good research that's yeah. going on. Um, I obviously know how CEREC works operationally. Um, and I think actually it works really well operationally, the way in which everybody works together. Um, and I was wondering if you wanted to talk a bit more about the operational aspects um, of it, because I think that's something that is kind of interesting in that how it came about and all, you know, because I don't think it was easy for that to get set up. Right, and and you've been with us from the beginning, so you know uh, what we went through to get to where we are. And I think one of the reasons it works so well now is that we developed it organically out of our needs. And, and when we first started, we really didn't have a set idea of what the process would look like. So we had to experiment with a number of approaches. And what we ended up doing was creating a, an online portal that each of us can access and the requesting hub posts their abstracts there. So whenever they have a call for funding um, and they are looking for external reviewers, they will post the abstracts of those studies to our online portal. And then the providing sites can view and download that information and use it to send out invitations to reviewers at their own site. So I, I think like a couple of the most important features are that we can all see the same information by going to this online portal. So we always know the status of a particular request. We know how many reviewers have been invited. We know how many reviewers have accepted. Um, but the review process itself is decentralized. So we, we sort of explored in the early years, the idea of standardizing our review process and trying to all use the same forms and the same um, scoring systems. And we quickly discarded that uh, idea yeah. because each hub has its own personality and, and things change very quickly. So it would have been very hard to keep those processes synchronized. Um, so I think that's something that that people find hard to understand when they first um, start learning about CEREC is this, this simultaneously um, coordinated but decentralized review process. Right. And I also think, you know, with the updates that we've made to CEREC Central, whether they are all posted, are uh, really good in that now we can see who's already sent an, an email to someone, you know, so that we don't have to go, okay, you know, I've already done it. And then somebody finds someone and, you know, so that we can at least go in there and focus on the ones that don't have, nobody sent a review to. Um, right. I, yeah, I, I think that part is, is so helpful now that we have it. We have had a face-to-face -face meeting and when I went to that face-to-face -face meeting, what I found with it was it was incredibly productive and collaborative. And I think that, you know, that the, how it worked was just a really a reflection of our conference calls because, you know, then we were just doing conference calls. We weren't even having uh, Zoom meetings. We couldn't even see each other. So I think that was, I think it was really 
helpful to have had that. Um, and so that now we can actually reach out to each other um, and asking for help on, you know, best practices and all that kind of thing. Um, those kind of things. What, what, what was your takeaway from the face-to-face uh, -face meeting? I totally agree. I, I mean, I think we had been working together for almost a year and a half before we finally met. Um, and as you say, we didn't even use Zoom back then. So all we knew were the voices. And I think meeting together for a couple of days in Southern California was um, not only really fun, but uh, a really important stage in our development as a collaborative. And, and as you alluded to, um, now there's a lot of back and forth between the members, even outside of running the reviews, because each of us is constantly running into new challenges in running our programs. And it's so useful to be able to reach out to our friends and collaborators within the consortium and ask you, how do you deal with this and, and get some ideas about how to solve our problems? Yeah, it, it makes me feel that, that, you know, we're not the only ones having this problem when you hear back from people, you know, and that it's sort of like, okay, does, is that reassuring? Does that normalize what's going on for us? But, you know, at least we have that information there for right. us. It's, it's so interesting because right now we're in the process of replicating our CEREC to a new consortium and watching them go through the same stages of development that we did um, is, is um, a little bit torturous. <laughs> you know, you want to kind of accelerate the process. You want to say, yeah, we did that. We, we had to learn that, but, you know, here's how you can overcome that. But I, I think that... Um, they need to experience it in the same evolutionary sense that we did. And one of those stages I think was that in the beginning, our members were not really sure whether the time invested in CEREC would be worth it in terms of what they're gonna get out of it because we're all working at capacity in our jobs, don't have spare time to um, be providing assistance to somebody at another site, but the return on that investment has been so spectacular that I think we've all stopped worrying about whether this is a valuable use of our time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and um, I wanna switch gears a bit and sort of talk about things from a reviewer aspect. You know, what do you think they get out of it? I know that there have been times when I've seen an application and I've been like, oh, I know someone who's really good for that. And it would be really good for them to have reviewed for an external institution um, so that they can put it on their um, CV. Um, but what, else, what do you think of why the other people do it? You know, the, the full professors and who don't really need to add an external review to their CV. Right, and obviously that's critical because if we don't get reviewers saying yes, then our whole system collapses. Um, and they're not being paid to do it. It's, it's entirely volunteer. Um, as you just said, a lot of academics do this kind of reviewing routinely because it's part of their professional service. And each time they come up for promotion, they have to 
fill in that box on their uh, dossier and explain what they've done for the professional community. Um, and then there are a lot of people who uh, really are interested in knowing what science is going on at other institutions. Um, you know, everybody is so busy all the time getting their own work done that sometimes they don't have time to lift up their heads and find out what's going on at other places. And so I think a lot of the senior people are interested to find out what kind of science in their field is being done at some of these other institutions. As you were saying that, I, I remembered that I had um, seen an application and, uh, and it looked so interesting that I was like, I'm gonna find a review, review for that because I actually wanna look at the application because <laughs> um, I was so interested in the science. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is, Sort of different and I want to see where things are in that particular field so I know I did it for myself. <laughs> yeah exactly and and the science that comes through this consortium is so diverse and so cutting edge that it is exciting to see what ideas are out there and as you know it, it ranges across the continuum from very basic scientific inquiries to really applied scientific inquiries. So it, it's uh, just a, a huge um, body of innovations that would, comes through our consortium. De-identified proposals. I know that's something that we do or we've started to implement. And we've got some feedback saying, this is great. And other feedback saying, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I need to have all that information that you should be supplying. Yeah, that, that is a really interesting question. And I think it's one that NIH is also struggling with. They've, they've explored the possibility of doing de-identified applications. Um, we don't do that in CEREC. And one of the reasons we don't do it, I think, is that it's a lot of work to de-identify applications and to do it effectively. And as I already mentioned, we're all working at capacity. So I don't think we're looking at for new ways of spending our time. Um, but another reason that I, I would probably be hesitant to go in that direction is that um, right now when we send an invitation to a reviewer, we ask them to decline if they think they might be in conflict with that proposal. And one way they can determine that is they look at the name of the principal investigator and say, do I know this person, right? Um, if, you, if you remove that information, the reviewer might say yes, and then three quarters of the way through the application, they might become aware that they know this researcher. And at that point, they might have just say, I'm in conflict, I can't review it. And at that point, you're so far down the timeline in terms of when the review is due that we might not be able to find another reviewer. So that, that's kind of why I would be hesitant to go in the direction of de-identification. Yeah, I mean, and, and when we have been doing that, we have definitely come up against that, that somebody has said, you know, I took a look at this and I know who it is. I'm familiar with their work. Uh, and sometimes they say, I cannot review this. And other times, I offer them to opportun the opportunity to complete the review, but saying, can you do this in a, you know, independently and 
without taking that part, the fact that you know into account. Um, and, and, you know, and probably 75% of the time they can say they can review. In terms of what you were saying about the work involved in de-identifying the proposals, that's that's my job when <laughs> when these proposals come in. And yes, it, it is not an insignificant amount of time to do that. And when if you have, you know, 50, 60 applications come in, it it gets pretty time consuming. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Margaret, I've I've sort of touched on this as well. We've touched on it in our conversation that what do you think is the value of CEREC? And by that, I mean, in terms of the CTSAs as a whole, uh, because I know that we have started to help other institutions um, build out their version of CEREC. You know, I think we've been calling it CEREC 2. So I wonder what the selling point could be, or is really, of, of this kind of collaboration. Right. So the CTSA program <clears throat> is administered by uh, NIH within an institute uh, called NCATS. And the mission of NCATS is to accelerate the translation of basic science discoveries into applications that will impact human health. And so the pilot studies programs are, are part of that mission. And what we are seeking to do is to put some resources behind the most promising research that is most likely to be translated into eventual interventions or programs that are gonna impact human health. So we have to have a way of identifying the most promising science. And so that's where CEREC adds its value, I think, is that by um, enhancing the rigor of the review process, we, we increase our chances of finding those studies that are most likely to result in benefit to human health. Um, and the other aspect of it is that um, when, when NCATS formed the CTSA network, they were very upfront about their intention to demonstrate that we could accomplish more um, by collaborating than by competing. And so the NCATS encourages the different CTSA hubs to work together and exchange um, resources, exchange ideas, you know, create some synergy so that basically the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And I think CEREC has been a really good model of how that can happen, where multiple hubs come together. And as a result, we, we sort of um, improve the system for all of us instead of each of us working in isolation and competing with one another. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really great point that you make there. And um, science in general could really benefit from this kind of external review process, I think. I mean, I also think it could benefit from de-identifying proposals as well, considering the biases that are out there. And 
and also I think that what I have seen certainly in the pilot grant applications that we've received and funded, and also the ones that I've seen that the other our other partners have posted to Zurich Central is that, you know, what we're looking for is or are those proposals which are always sort of slightly new or different. And that's how the innovation comes about. And I also think that for us, I can only speak about us, but, you know, there's a high risk in, in funding something that doesn't have a whole load of uh, data behind it. But there's also a really high reward to those types of projects. Is that something you've seen as, as well? Yeah, and we actually use that phrase, high risk, high reward, when we are advertising our funding opportunities, um, because that is what we're looking for. And so we realize that some of these studies are probably going to fail and, and not yield anything, but some of them will really succeed in a big way. Um, and again, having the external scientific review just um, gives us a better chance of identifying out of the, the sea of proposals that we all receive, um, you know, the few gems that might really have a big impact on the well-being of our community. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Going back to Sarek and, you know, how it, the origins, et cetera, how do you think it's evolved over the past few years? Um, well, so we've evolved both technologically and <laughs> socially, I think. I yeah, yeah, I thought that. I, that was what came to mind straight away. It was like, yeah, we started off having conference calls, mm -hmm. whereas like using a telephone to now using Zoom. It, at least that, that is one way in which we have evolved. Absolutely. And, and our online portal has evolved. We, you know, we, we now have uh, CIRIC Central 2.0. Um, we went through sort of a, a refresh at midway where we enhanced certain capacities. So one thing that we have on our CIRIC Central online portal is um, that we automatically track our statistics. And we can look at any time at the status of the whole consortium, how many reviews have been provided, how many reviewers have been contacted, what's our yield rate, um, you know, a whole slew of statistics that helps us monitor our program and also helps us in our reporting to our local um, leadership about the value that this consortium brings to each of us. And then uh, socially, I think it's been a really important process of learning to trust one another and learning to trust in the system. Um, you know, early on when it was still new, there was a high level of anxiety every time uh, one of us posted a call to the site because you never really knew if the partners were gonna step up. And if even if they tried, maybe they wouldn't be able to find a reviewer. Um, but over time we've learned that it does work and we all have such a personal investment in it that it, you know, we've got each other's backs. And, and I think that the anxiety level has gone down as the trust and experience has gone up. Yeah. Yeah, those are great points. I, you know, I think we're good, close to wrapping up. And I was just wondering what you thought, you know, what your takeaways are 
operationally speaking, technically speaking, you know, in terms of the proposals, but if there are any other takeaways you would have that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have thought of. I think that um, the, the biggest takeaway for me is that I consider the fact that it's essentially self-perpetuating at this point as, as the biggest evidence that this was a good idea. <laughs> so, you know, again, it, we're about four years on into when we started this, and I, I feel that the consortium is stable. Um, we've had turnover at individual hubs in terms of the personnel that are involved, and yet Sarah continues to survive. And um, as I mentioned, we're now cloning ourselves into a, a CEREC 2, which seems to be taking off successfully. Um, so I think the takeaway would just be the, the extreme value in forming these kinds of partnerships, um, really at the administrative level of these different research hubs, which I think um, tends to be overlooked sometimes. It's, it, you know, the administrators are the ones that are, are really the, the machine that keeps this all working. And um, we've worked hard over the years to form investigator collaborators across the different CTSAs, but I think it's of equal value to create administrative collaborations across the hubs. Yeah, I think that's a great point I, uh, about, you know, the administrative side being so important because there are many things that we've come across where it makes sense to talk to another administrator rather to, than to a faculty member um, and get that kind of, uh, you know, information that we can, uh, that can help us. And uh, one of the takeaways that I, I have found, and I, it was at the the face-to-face -face meeting we had was that how, it's not just the science that we're looking for to be innovative. It's also our individual CTSAs and the you know pilot programs and all sorts of different things that that have to be innovative as well. You know what what are we doing? What are we looking for? You know how are we capturing that information? I think um, I think that's something that I've learned that it's it's not just the science. It's the you know background um, to the science. Absolutely, I, I think it's what the NCAS director would call the science of translation. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Thank you, Margaret, for taking the time, and I'm very envious of the fact that you are in Southern California. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, thank you, Ardeep. This was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great fun. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on iTunes and help us spread the word about the amazing research taking place across the Harvard community. To learn more about the guests on this episode, visit our website, catalyst.harvard.edu slash thinkresearch.